Hey, Mountain Fam, it's, it's good to be together today. Uh, you may have realized something happened this week. It was the beginning of summer, right? And summer brings all kinds of change. Uh, but my son walked up to me the other day and he said, Dad, is summer ruined? You see, this COVID stuff, it's, it's got him down, right? Change in the summer usually looks like uh, the end of the school year, and it, it almost feels like that ended a while ago, honestly, right? It means the beginning of a break that we almost feel like should be over. Uh, it, it comes to the change of weather and activities. You see, summer usually ushers in a lot of change, and it, it's got them down. But I got to tell you, summer's not ruined. It's just going to look a little bit different. I think it's important for us to know today because something else that was put in place this week that ushered in was the beginning of Mountain's phase two of what it's going to look like for us to have in-person gatherings in addition to all of our digital spaces that we've been meeting in. Phase two is our plan to open stuff up at Mountain. Ben talked all about it this week online. It's on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and in your email inbox. Make sure you go check it out. Watch the entire video to catch up on all that's going to be happening in phase two. We're calling it Think Small. And here's what it means for those of us who call Mountain Home. In addition to all of those digital tools, we're going to start meeting in some small gatherings and safe environments and physical proximity to each other. The first one is an outdoor prayer and worship event happening this Tuesday at our Mountain Road, Abingdon, Edgewood, and Bel Air campuses. At those campuses, we're going to come together outside. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. We're going to party a little bit with some social distancing, okay? And also, we're going to have the opportunity for people to get baptized. I have some friends over the, the, the last little bit during these stay-at-home orders who have said, hey, like I would, my next step with Jesus is baptism. And so we've invited them this Tuesday to take that step publicly in front of their church family, and maybe you're ready to do the same. Well, if you are, make sure you go online. Let us know that you're coming. Go to the church website. All the details are there, how you can register to be baptized this Tuesday. All right, it's gonna be fun. Let's celebrate. Let's party together a little bit. Uh, this Think Small phase has also given us an opportunity to join together in weekly worship services through something called watch parties. You pick the time and the place and the people, and you pull them together to worship in closer proximity to others. Watch parties can happen at your home, in your backyard, in a parking lot, at a park, wherever you choose. You sign up online, and we're going to send you a link and some other helpful resources so that you can gather people together in worship and community if you're ready for it. If not, all of our services will continue to stream at the same time they have online on the church website. All the details for all of this is there, including things like campus groups. They're going to meet at our campuses in addition to online, and all the fun stuff happening with kids and students and their summer camps as well. Summer's not ruined, y'all. It's just going to look a little bit different. And I think God is still going to use these next few months to transform and shape each of us. And you know, speaking of different, I want to do something a little bit different today. Something we're calling five for five. And here's what it looks like. We have five mountain leaders that you probably have not gotten to hear a lot from who are going to share a small segment of the vision of mountain and how God has used it to transform and change and mold their own lives. See, we have this vision that we've been chasing down called Dare to Dream. You remember that, don't you? God, God put this big, monstrous vision out in front of us. It comes from Isaiah 54. It says this, Make your tent larger. Stretch your tent curtains further out. Don't hold back. Spare no effort. Lengthen your ropes and strengthen your stakes by pounding them in deep. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Don't be afraid. In the short version that, that we've taken for ourselves here at Mount, we feel like God's calling us to stretch our faith, our hearts, our hands towards more people than ever before. 
He wants us to strengthen our body as we move more to the core, seeing people take steps on how it looks to, to live like Jesus and represent Jesus in this world. And then spread God's blessing by expanding our impact from Rosedale to Rising Sun and beyond. That's a big vision. And that vision, it takes root in all of us. The vision is for our church at large, but it's also rooted deeply in each of us as individuals as we look at how we can best fulfill the mission that God has given us to help people find him and respond to him and have their lives changed by him. So these five leaders, they're each going to take five minutes to talk about some aspect of the vision and how it's taken root in their own journey with Jesus. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be encouraging, so get ready. And here's the punchline. The reason it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, they only have five minutes. To add a little bit of pressure, we're going to put a little timer up so they see it clicking down and clicking down and clicking down until their five minutes is up. And and when it's over, okay, when, when they've hit the end of their timer and they've wrapped up the message that God has given them to share, hey, let's celebrate. We're going to applause here. We're, we're going to be super excited here. But at home, you do the same. And to make it even a little bit more fun, let's add a little applause a track in the background, shall we? You hear that? You hear the applause? That's right. All right, so we're going to have some fun. First, let's meet our five leaders. First up today is going to be Alan Stengel. Alan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Alan. I'm the online pastor here at Mountain. When I'm not working here, I'm working out and hiking. And uh, fun fact, I once was a former president of the United States camera guy. Whoa, Ooh. fancy. <laughs> That's going to be hard to follow up. Okay, Alicia. Alicia's next. Alicia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I hang out at the Abingdon campus. I am a sophomore at Hartford Tech. And one fun fact about me is I get nervous giggles. Oh, yeah? Yes. Are you sure? Yes, I'm very sure. Oh, there it is. Okay, we're waiting for it. We're waiting for it. All right, uh, next up will be Greg. He's going to go third. Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, everyone. Um, my name is Greg. I'm the student pastor at the Edgewood campus. And a uh, fun fact about me, I play three different instruments, saxophone, bass and guitar, if you consider the two of them different instruments. But, yeah. And we're, we're going to hear all three today. No, I didn't come prepared didn't, for that. Okay, all right, <laughs> never mind. All right. So next will be Aaron Schwab. Aaron, tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, guys. I am the Welcome and Next Steps pastor at the Bel Air campus. I'm a mom of two young kids and married for almost 13 years. And a fun fact about me is before I started working at Mountain, I was a lawyer for 10 years. I need help. I call you. I'm sure I didn't practice that kind of law. Okay. All right. All right. All right. And last but certainly not least is Luis. Luis, tell us about yourself. All right. Luis Machado, Aberdeen campus pastor for our newest campus. Um, Fun fact for me, um, I think... um, I'm loud already, but just for everybody to know, you probably have that double because I'm actually a twin, an identical twin, so uh, it's double the trouble, I think. And we don't really know who's speaking today, do we? Uh, Yes, Luis Machado. Okay, all right, there we go. All right, so they're going to walk up, take their place, and they've got five minutes. They're going to have whatever their walk-up song is on their way in. So, Alan, take it away, man. All right. Peanut butter, jelly time. Peanut butter, jelly time. Have you ever felt weighed down? It seems like everyone else around you is, is living life to the fullest. Have, they have these dreams, they're chasing and, and succeeding at everything they do. Meanwhile, you feel stuck, weighed down. It's like you're wrestling with God, you know? God, what's my dreams? What do you have for me? What's my plans for life? When will I be successful? And can I be honest with you? I've been there too. 
You see, this past year has been a really heavy year for me. Now, last summer, life was great, okay? Me and God were like this. I was in the best shape of my life, and I had some visions and God-sized dreams that just were happening and working and rolling, and everything was going great. And then my mom got sick, and I had to start taking care of her. And a few months later, she passed away, and I just felt heavy. And those dreams and those visions I saw were gone. The ones that I so clearly saw from God, I couldn't see anymore. And even if I could, I couldn't move towards them. I was heavy. But you see, this isn't unique to just me. We see this time and time again with God's people. And today, we're going to look at a guy named David who literally felt that weight of someone else's armor. Now, you all know the story. Most of us know the story of David versus Goliath. But today, we're going to look at a part leading up to that story uh, that often gets overlooked. So if you don't know, here's a little backstory, right? Here's what you need to know. The Israelites and Philistines are at war. David is a small shepherd boy. Uh, think Ben Kacharis size, uh, who is back home with his dad uh, doing some work there while his brothers are off at war. And while his brothers are off at war... Uh, the Philistines sent out a giant, a big guy, a Goliath is what his name is, but think Hulk Hogan size. Okay, so he, so he comes out and challenges uh, the Israelites. Hey, send one person to come fight me. Send one person you think can come fight me. And so meanwhile, while that's happening, David gets sent by his dad to the front lines just to do a status check on his brothers, make sure everything's okay, and drop off some supplies. While there, he overhears this predicament that they're in. David's confident and says, oh, I'll go fight him. Now, that, remember, that's like Ben Kacharis saying he's going to go into a WWE match with Hulk Hogan, right? That's funny. Every Israelite there laughed and mocked him. So David goes to Saul and says, Saul, let me fight Goliath. And uh, Saul knows that he's just a small shepherd boy and says, Saul, you can't fight him, dude. You're just a youth. You'll get demolished. Now, I like to think that David had a little swagger to himself, uh, a little confidence here, and, you know, laughing under his breath like, seriously, Saul, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Yes, I'm just a shepherd boy, but when a shepherd gets taken off by a lion or a bear, who goes after him? I do. I kill that lion. I kill that bear. I've seen God with me then, and I know that I will see God with me versus Goliath. And Goliath would be just like one of those lions that I've killed. And so Saul finally gets the point. He's like, all right, you can fight him. In fact, I'll even give you my armor. So they put all the armor uh, on David, and he stands there with the armor on, and he realizes, I can't move. I can't operate with your armor on, Saul. It's too heavy. I'm not used to this. So he takes the armor off, and then he picks up a sling and a stone, and then he goes off into battle and defeats Goliath. You see, David was confident in his abilities. He was confident in who he was, and he didn't play a comparison game. It didn't matter to him what everyone else around him looked like or what they were doing. He knew who God was and that God had already won that battle for him. And when I'm not confident in who I am in Jesus... I think I get so caught up in what everybody else is doing. And I think the same might be for a lot of us. I start worrying about the looks. Man, if I just lost some weight, maybe I could, you know, I could get a girlfriend and then a wife and then a family, and then I'd be fulfilled or, you know, wealth. Yeah, it's easy to serve God when you have money. It's easy to serve God when you have wealth and you're comfortable. But what about when you don't have money? I can't do that. Or time. Man, I just don't have time. If I had the time, sure, I could be powerful. I could make an impact. Uh, if I had a better job, maybe, maybe I had a higher rank in my position. I could have more power, and then I could, I could do something worthwhile. Or my age, man. Maybe I'm just too young, and I can't, I can't do anything. I'm too young. Or sin. We start comparing our sins. And the next thing you know, we're wearing everybody else's armor, and we're not focused on who God created us to be. And the thing we can learn from David is he took that armor off. 
and he operated in the giftedness that God had given him. My shirt says Yahweh, which just means Lord. So my question for you today is, what armor are you wearing? I think we, can't, we can only see the dream that God has for us when we realize that we need to operate in the strengths and the uniqueness that he's given us. Awesome job. Thanks, man. Way to go. Way to go. You look a little lighter. Yeah, a little lighter. All 20 right. pounds lighter. <laughs> All right. Alicia, you're up. Take it away. Young forever. Hey, y'all. I'm just going to go ahead and start with one of my most life-changing moments. Uh, The summer before eighth grade, I went to my first CIY. And before that, I had known that I wanted to get baptized, but it was just a thought in the back of my head. After going to this CIY, I felt something. I felt like someone was telling me, this is it. Like, God was telling me, it's time for you to get baptized. And for a while, it didn't happen. We were, my family and I were so worried about getting everyone there to see it. And I was like, it's not about my family. It's about God. So I did it on November 11th, 2018. But that's just the beginning. Later that day, I had a student leadership meeting. And the leader at that meeting decided to wash our feet like Jesus did to his disciples. I felt like I was having the best day of my life. I felt like I was full of Jesus. And later that evening when I was at Echo, Echo. Chase Boyer had called me up to stage to talk about why I decided to get baptized. So I talked about my story and I talked about my past. But before I even did that, I was so nervous. But as I was talking, it didn't feel like the words that I was saying were mine. It felt like God was speaking through me. And it was the coolest feeling in the world. When I had gotten off stage, Chase had looked at me and said, You were meant to do this. You were meant to preach. I was in complete shock. I was like, could a 13-year-old even do this? But teenagers have an important voice, and we constantly choose to hide it because we're afraid that people won't listen or no one will care. Paul wrote letters to Timothy to keep him encouraged while he led a church through some tough things. Timothy was most likely one of the younger people there, but Paul didn't want that to stop Timothy. In 1 Timothy, Paul wrote, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. As young people, it's hard to set an example because we don't necessarily know what the right thing is. Timothy had Paul to help guide him and coach him And my fellow young people, we have that too. We have our pastors and our small group leaders and our parents to help us. See, Timothy respected Paul and what he had to say. He trusted that what Paul was saying was going to help him and that would be right. And we have people to guide us and to give us advice and trust and respect. In the next verse... Paul tells Timothy to devote yourself in the scripture to, by preaching and teaching and to not neglect your gift, the thing that God has given you. We're all born with different gifts. Some of us are better at talking to people or talking in front of people or singing or playing an instrument. And even now, maybe your thing is sewing masks for hospital workers. But a lot of the people that you see in church serving or doing outside of church They're doing that because that's their gift. That's the gift that God has given them. 
God gave me the strength of being able to spread his word in front of people. That doesn't mean that I don't get nervous about it. It just means that God is going to be there to help me. God gives us all strengths to help spread his love and his scripture. And the strength for Timothy came through the encouragement of Paul, like mine has come from Chase. We all need each other. Us younger people need older people to help coach and guide and encourage us. And us young people need to lean in to our calling if we're really going to reach the world of Christ. Adults, if you know that strength, great. Do it. And if you don't get involved, try first serves. Do, try different serving areas. Get in touch with people outside of church if that's what you want to do. Invest in us younger people. Help us to see what you see and know what you know and do what you do. Do what Chase did for me and tell us what you see in us. Students, odds are we don't know what our strengths are yet or we don't know all of them. So get involved. Try things. Listen to the Pauls in your life. And let God encourage you and lead you to the right thing. And dream big about how God might use you. I would have never imagined that God wanted me to speak or be a pastor. But now I'm dreaming big about how God has shaped me. I let God use me in the way he wants to. And I encourage you to do the same. Awesome job, Alicia. Way to go. All right, Greg, you're up next. Take it away. In 1989, a single mom living in the smallest room of a rambler in St. Andrew, Jamaica, was compelled by a vision that her circumstances gave her no reason to believe in. Although you couldn't tell by her bright demeanor, her story was marred by many tragic events. But that didn't shake her vision that the generational brokenness that she experienced wasn't to be passed down. So, Although it seemed crazy that she left all that she was familiar with in Jamaica to move to the United States with her husband, she did it in order to find the best possible way for her future family. This woman is my mom. And while she was earning her Master's of Arts in teaching and interning with the public school system, she'd come home when we were younger, exhausted, yet full of light and enthusiasm to teach my brother and me not only our times tables and how to tell time itself, but how to love. And without her strong sense of purpose, I would not be standing here today. So what we see in stories like this and this one right here is that to take action, you must be compelled by purpose. The Austrian psychologist Viktor Frankl once said, ever more people today have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. In other words, people have the means to do something, but no solid purpose to do it. No carrot at the end of the proverbial stick. In our current cultural moment, the question that's batted around the most is, what can I do? And this question is a reflection of the can-do, hard-working American grit that we are all familiar with. Social experiment. Your phone probably went off with notifications at the start of this message. Mine probably did. And most of them were probably dedicated to productivity apps. Your app store has over 240 apps dedicated to productivity, to the point where we have blogs telling us how to productively use productivity apps. So no, no, no. The question isn't whether we're willing to work hard. The question is, what are we working for? All right. 
How does this concept play out throughout the span of human history? Is there someone that we can look at that has been shaped by purpose that we can use as an example? Well, in the first century AD, there was once a man that was compelled by a vision, but his vision brought chaos instead of peace and order. He was an Israelite by ethnicity, a tent maker by trade, and a Pharisee by robust education, all experiences that shaped his worldview. But that view of the world caused him to think that he was doing something that mattered by stomping out the way of a charismatic yet seemingly heretical rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth. But it wasn't until the risen and exalted Jesus appeared to this man on the way to a city in the ancient Roman world named Damascus that life's true purpose was revealed. This man, who would later be known as Paul, would have that vision compel him to spread God's mission of redemption and reconciliation all across the ancient Mediterranean. This vision caused him to plant many communities of Jesus followers, but one in particular in the revelrous and affluent port city of Corinth, to whom he dedicated not one, but two letters. And in the second one to this community, he said this, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Let's take a look at that word compel again in verse 14. In other translations, it's rendered seize or control. The reason for that is because the word in the original language this was transcribed was rich in diction and could and is usually used to describe the laying siege of a city, an aggressive takeover, a newly instituted way of life. So I think what this letter was challenging the original audience and us today that are reading it is this question. What compels you? Because what compels you will control you. What do you desire? Because if it is not God that compels you, the same God that spoke light and order into darkness and chaos, the same God that loved us and commissioned us with purpose before we did a thing, the same God that when we miss the mark doesn't step away but steps even closer, the same God that in Christ embodies reality and shows us the way by emptying himself and sacrificing himself to bring us into a family of love, joy, and peace. If it is not that God that compels you, You will do something that matters, but you will only do something that matters to you. You know, it's been said that you can't have the kingdom without the king, or you can't have God's mission without him either. Awesome, man. Thanks, Greg. All right, Aaron. You ready? Yep. Here we go. Think about it. There must be a higher In the next few minutes together, I just want us to consider one question. Do I want to spend time with God? Now, there are lots of reasons why I hope your answer to that question is yes. But if I'm being honest, for me, for most of my life, the answer to that question was no. 
Sure, I, I cared about God. I, I knew I should or needed to spend time with God. But if I was making a list of who I wanted to spend my time getting to know, God would not have been on it. My relationship with him was based more on him being the, the maker of really good and important rules that I needed to follow rather than him being the maker of heaven and earth who desperately wants me to walk and breathe alongside him. So as we each consider whether we want to spend time with God, I'd just like to share some perspective with you that continues to be impactful in my life. You know, the earth is 93 million miles from the sun. Now, stuff beyond our sun in space isn't measured by miles. It's measured by light years. And one light year is equal to nearly six trillion miles. It would take the International Space Station, which travels at 17,000 miles per hour, 39,475 years to travel one light year. So let's look at some stuff that's measured by light year, like the Carina Nebula. It's 50 light years across. According to NASA, this massive nebula contains at least a dozen stars that are 50 to 100 times the mass of our sun. To put that into perspective, the sun is so big, you can fit one million Earths in it. Now, the Carina Nebula can seem otherworldly, but it's actually located within our Milky Way galaxy. NASA estimates that the Milky Way galaxy is 100,000 light years across and contains more than 100 billion stars. And that's a conservative estimate. And our Milky Way galaxy is only one of billions of observable galaxies in the universe and likely one of trillions of, of galaxies not yet observable. In this next image, those aren't stars. Those are galaxies. This picture spans 13.2 billion light years of space and shows 10,000 galaxies. This is only a tiny slice of our universe. Now, the God that the Bible tells us about, he made all that. You know, when I think about how God has the whole world in his hands, I often just think about the earth, and I forget that it is all of creation. It is all the expanse and mystery and wonder of billions or trillions of galaxies. And the God who spoke and made this glorious and magnificent universe that is so complex, science is just beginning to help us understand it. You guys, it is, it is perfectly reasonable and sane to conclude that the God who can make all that and do all that does not need me or you. And yet, the God who made the sun and the moon and put the stars in their place made me and you. And not only that, the Bible tells us that he loves me and you. And he longs for us to know him. In Acts 17, the Apostle Paul is explaining this very point when he says, The God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so, so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. 
And in John 15, Jesus himself illustrates that we were designed to stay connected to God like branches are connected to the vine. God does not want us to just know about him. He wants us to know him. And the best way to get to know someone is to spend time with him. So do you want to spend time with God? Do you want to spend time doing things like having honest conversations with God or reading and discovering the Bible for yourself, talking and praying with someone who loves you and loves God about how you can get to know God more or um, looking for what God is trying to communicate to you through the wonder and beauty of creation, not just out there in the universe, but right here as you go for a walk in your neighborhood or a day at the beach or look at the faces of those you love or those you find hard to love. Our God is so vast and wonderful. No matter where you are on your faith journey, there is always more of him to discover. And he wants to know you. Do you want to spend time with him? Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. All right, Luis, you're up. Our vision for 2024, Dare to Dream. Inside that vision for 2020, we could look at ourselves as taking the dare. Inside the dare, there's an R in there. That means reaching out for someone. By the grace of God, I'm here standing today telling you that someone reached out to me at one point. I was a soldier in 2003, sitting in the battlefield. When I'm sitting with my battle buddy, um, Victor Karambat, and he extends an invitation for me to go to church with him. I didn't know how this would turn out. I was was in fear. I was scared. I didn't know how to respond. The reason for this is because I didn't have a Christ-centered relationship. I never grew up in a Christ um, home or Christ-centered home. So I didn't know what to expect of this invitation. But what I could tell you, I didn't even have, couldn't imagine how much this invitation changed the course of my entire life. But this person, Victor Cranbot, invited me and taking the next step to go and be in church. So vivid that, that day, I could remember how this chaplain uh, talks to me in, in, in the whole service about how this, there, there's a God that will never leave you, will never forsake you, that he always will be with you, and that he sent his son to die for, for me in the cross. That message was so compelling that I turned, yes, you guessed it, I turned my life towards him. I turned, turned my entire life Towards God at that moment, I made that decision. So, baby, that, that was on a Sunday, and coming on a Monday, I got baptized in the Euphrates River. You might ask yourself, this, is a, this, this sounds too perfect for me. But let me tell you, it wasn't perfect at the, at the beginning because I was afraid. I had so many fears, I had so many questions. But that guy, that guy that invited me, broke all those barriers. Let me, let, let's. Let's read on Matthew 18, chapters 12 to 14, what it says. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and only one of them wanders away? 
Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wanders off? And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he's happier about that one than about the 99 that he did not wander off. In the same way, our Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Jesus is teaching his disciples about how that, that's so important. What, how did that mean? What did this mean to us right now? You might find yourself in one or two ways. Either you, you're one of those 99s or you are one of, of that one. If you're one of those 99s right now, you might ask yourself, what, what do I have to do now? Go reach out for that one. So simple. Go reach out for that one. So who's that one in your life? And if you are this person that, that, that is thinking about, but I'm that one. Let me tell you, 17 years ago, 17 years ago, I was in your place. I was in your place feeling lost, lonely, don't know what answers I have in my life, what I was going to do with my life. But let me tell you something. Our God is so bigger that he rescued me at that very point of my life. If he do it for me, he will sure do it for you. What we have to do today, if I, if I will picture this, is which one, which, which is your one right now at this point? If we're going to do something right now that, to reach out for that someone that is lost right now at this very moment, picture and have this question in your head. Who is that one? That one was me, what, 17 years ago. Victor took the steps to invite me to church. And now through the whole course, he has changed the way that I live, the way that I think, and the way that I even do ministry. I would never imagine that I was going to be here, standing here today, giving you the same encouragement that my friend Victor did 17 years ago. We all have a part. If it's good for you, think, picture this. If it's good for you right now, if you're one of those 99s, if it's good for all of us. So let's share it. Aberdeen might look that, that for me right now. 26,000 people live in that community that doesn't have a Christ-centered relationship. So let me ask you this. Who is your one? Let's go ahead and reach out like never before. Let's take that there to reach the entire community across the entire Harford County and wherever you are right now, too. Here we go, Luis. Awesome job, guys. I know uh, this was a lot of work, and uh, you put a lot of time into it. And I know for me, it was inspiring, encouraging, and challenging. I think it probably was. Uh, for all of us to some degree. So uh, Mountain, let, let's be thinking about how God is calling us to live out his mission to the vision that he's put in front of us. Each of us have a step to take, to care about people, to love people, to get involved and engaged in good community, to serve. What's God calling you to do? Be inspired, be encouraged, and be challenged today. Thanks again, y'all, for your hard work and time that you put into it. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for your love. The thing that binds us all together, that brings us all to this place, God. Each of us with a different background. Uh, God, each of us with a different upbringing. Each of us with uh, different hurts and hang-ups. But God, all of us unified under one thing, and that is your love for us, our King, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus. So God, help all of us to know and to understand and to engage in what your calling on our lives is. 
to see your mission fulfilled at helping people come to know you and take steps towards you. So God, go before us. May we be challenged, inspired, encouraged, and may we respond to the message that you put on our heart today. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen.